Hello and welcome to Football Unfocused, uh, the uh, third episode in less than uh, three weeks, which is a remarkable turnaround. And boy, are you lucky to be getting content of this quality at that level of regularity. Uh, do you know how lucky you are? No, you don't. Some of you do, but most of you don't. Uh, this is the podcast in which myself, Mark, and Matthew, my comrade there, that you can hear uh, sort of giggling in the background. S- sniggering, yeah. yeah. So it's just because I was thinking, just literally, before we hit record mm. <laughs> you were just singing christian hymns and i was just thinking about that i was as you were, as you were then introducing the yeah for the, for the purposes of context we were we're considering bringing a hymn singing element into this podcast <laughs> uh, just ending on a hymn every week so uh, i was trying out some of the old classics from primary and secondary school and it really did go down a storm <laughs> didn't it Ra- would you say raise spirits matthew i know it does it makes you think maybe i should get into christianity again. yeah 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 <laughs> well we, we, are, we are increasingly going to be moving away from football as a subject because i think it's clear <laughs> that it just doesn't work as a, it works as a monologue where i just talk about it and you just sit there and sort of nod um <laughs> but in terms of things for discussion i mean you've, you've got a lot more passion about hymns haven't you than you have about like the nation's league <laughs> well, they're probably on a par, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I think you definitely know more about hymns, don't you? Yeah, I could probably sing an entire hymn rather than yeah. name a, an entire football team. Yeah, or name like a starting eleven from the midweek nation leagues fixtures. Could you do mm, that? Did yeah. You? No. Yeah. In fact, you might. But when I it. read when I read the the list of footballers, I recognised all their names. Well, when the I read England the st- footballers. The England footballers, wow. that is. Well, yeah, well yeah. done. Do you hear that, not, people? That's why you listen to this podcast. Not the Germans. <laughs> no, not the Germans, no. no they've got f- funny foreign names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too easy to forget those funny yeah, names. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, in one ear, out the other. Yeah, but when it's, um, yeah. Well, well done. You hear that? See, some people listen to, you know, like the Guardian football podcast or the Football Ramble because they want, the, you know, the... the the, the incredible quality of, of um, analytical content, tactical breakdown, but can they name the you know the England team in the same way that Matt can? Or actually, sorry, not name. Can they look <laughs> well, through yeah, the list of the England team and recognise every name? I mean, Matt's, yeah. Matt's just you know way ahead of the uh, crowd. And well, uh, yeah, before we further um, <laughs> ramble on, uh, Matthew, um, my ongoing project to just learn more about you. Uh, as a person and you know give insight to our listeners as to who you are um i've just got a this couple project of must be cl- coming close to an end no matthew or some sort of conclusion because as we as we <laughs> as we learned last week every every question just opens a door now oh, i was no. about to ask you what your favorite stone fruit is but i think i might have asked you that before so i'm going to ask you okay. a slightly different question what's the f- what, what's the answer to it well actually what is your favorite stone fruit um Apples have pips, don't they? Yeah, that's not stone. Once again, you've given an answer that is not uh, related to the. To the uh, um, uh, oh, I can't. Do I'll you enjoy a plum? A plum in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was actually, um, yeah, no, I, I, just one plum. One plum. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> so not not a nectarine, not a not a peach. Oh yeah, peaches. Yeah, no, peaches probably would be my favourite, you know but peach, obviously yeah. only only over the sink. Good, good. Uh, well, because I think I might have asked you that one before. I might not. I mean, it's it's, it's difficult not to lose track of these inane <laughs> questions. Um, I was going to ask, what's your favourite fruit that requires peeling? Mm, uh, well, I really like mangoes. Yeah. 
And that would probably actually be a stone fruit as well. Yeah. But I'm so rubbish at, um, you know, dissecting it that Joe kind of has to do it for me. So you're Chopping. You're not chopping, good at chopping chop- a mango. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. difficult fruit to chop. I know. Well, it's tricky, tricky than like a banana. So I'll eat more bananas, even though I wouldn't necessarily say that's my favorite fruit to peel. Right, so you're just, you know, it's like easy access. Banging it, knocking back the bananas, uh, but in a joyless way. Yeah. <laughs> getting nothing out of it other than the... Uh, We're talking the about eating bananas, aren't benefit. we? Yeah, we yeah. are. Well, I am anyway, Matthew. Who knows what's going on in your head? Matthew, question two. Yeah. If 40%, at least 40% of the people in the office for which you work uh, thought you were uh, unfit to carry out your role, would you consider that a victory and carry on with great confidence <laughs> to perform your role until your contract is terminated? Yeah, I mean, I what? Yeah, I I probably would. I probably would, and also refer to previous results that would, in you know, kind of underline that. What incredible character you are! What? Yeah, yeah. yeah, What? How forty percent actually was quite a low number. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I think it was actually about forty-three, forty-four percent, wasn't it? Sorry, sorry. Obviously, we're not comparing this to anything in real life. No, no, no. Okay, what are you thinking of? Oh, yeah. Goodness knows. Goodness knows. In this week of all weeks, yeah, yeah. So you'd be happy. Would you hang around? Would you? How would you feel? Knowing that nearly half of the people. Well, I everywhere I've worked, I've assumed that. 80 to 90 percent of the people there no you so, i can no uh, way well, people loved you at work uh, at, at work uh, uh, matthew come on you've never worked with me so uh that's no uh, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> well moving on matthew this is kind Ma- of working with matthew. you <laughs> well yeah the, yeah but this is this is something i enjoy so i, I put some effort into this all oh, right matthew. you still turn up late <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's standard. let's just keep you on your toes and just final final question, Matthew. Is, uh, just, do you want to give any more detail on your age, anal hygiene regime? Because that really did go down a storm last week. Oh, I was thinking about that during the week. Mm. Um, People are yeah, now fascinated just, with your anal hygiene. Well, it's much more thorough than it has been in previous decades. Well, it's um, decades. You've gone, you went decades with poor anal hygiene. and A, a couple. A two oh. decades, 20 years, yeah. <laughs> 20 years of um, filthy anus. But, but, yeah, but Joe, Joe kind of installed... Uh, we don't have a plug in our current bath. So she sort of put in one of those plastic kind of covers mm. to stop her, you know, when she washes her hair, to stop so much hair getting caught up and going down the drain. But she did say... This is so embarrassing. She was like, oh, Matt... um, when you have a shower, maybe, you know, take that little cover out because I think I found some shit <laughs> from, My from when you washed yourself. And uh, she didn't say shit. She wouldn't have said that word. No, she wouldn't swear. But no. no, no, no. But your, your dirty ass Klingons. <laughs> wow. See, again... <laughs> Uh, listeners, this is why I ask these questions. I, Matthew, uh, I ask us whether he wants to any, oh, any more details no. on uh, anal, his anal hygiene regime, and has admitted that he, uh, if he fails to remove the uh, te- the plug, the emergency plug uh, from the bath, then pieces of his excrement will can be found floating uh, in the bath. So, uh, if ever I am forced to stay <laughs> at your house, and you know, if ever that happens, I really have hit rock bottom. 
then I will. I will. It is safe to say, if you offer me a bath, I will not be taking up that. Offer. <laughs> we'll just make sure you take the little just plastic George, plug out before yeah, you do. I'll just have a big bottle of bleach. Good. <laughs> Good. I brought my own. It's all right, Matt. Uh, on the on the right football now. You know, let's try and talk about some football. Um, I'm assuming you've been watching all the Nations League stuff. I hope you have. You said you were going to. Oh, that's that? what I thought of. Yeah. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, that's I it. Is it? That's, that's your contribution. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch Wales? It, 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 not even a Nations League game. Did you watch Wales World Cup qualifier against uh, Ukraine? Oh, was that a World Cup qualifier? Yes. I thought that was the same tournament. Bloody oh, hell. my days. So, you, so were confusing. you even aware that Wales had qualified for the World Cup? Yeah. For the first time since 1958. I, yeah, I, I did because you mentioned it the mm. day before yeah. we released their previous book. Because you said they're playing yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, you told me the day <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so Wales are in and very sadly, Ukraine are. It but, is very sad. It is very sad. But uh, I but, wonder if they're going to... But it's, it's And it's a shame that Wales had to kind of knock out Ukraine to get there. But I do think it is worth kind of parking that and... Like, like really celebrating the fact that Wales, uh, you know, a tiny country has, uh, or even a, a province, uh, if you will, um, it, principality, uh, which it is, of course, isn't it? Um, have qualified for the World Cup. It's got to be one of the, you know, the smallest populations that, uh, you know, up there we've kind of, well, I suppose once Iceland start qualifying for international tournaments, it makes everyone else seem like, uh, you know, China or India by comparison in terms of their population. But Wales, along with like, likes of Uruguay and New Zealand, are, you know, very small popula- um, populations to be qualifying for, you know, the, the biggest, uh, the world's biggest football tournament. And it is amazing the way in which they've, their football has been completely revolutionised, really, over the last uh, sort of ten or fifteen years. Going back from like the um, Gary Speed, even though he had a you know tragically short time as as uh, Wales manager, the sort of the foundations that he put in place. I was listening to some um, coverage last night on on Five Live about how he just very quickly kind of professionalised things, even down to you know the way that they were preparing for matches, the things they were eating in the hotel beforehand. And it's mad to think that as late as, you know, sort of 2010 or whatever, that, that the Welsh international team weren't preparing necessarily in that way. Because we're not talking about going back to the 90s. You know, we're talking about within the last sort of 12 years. Um, but to go from that to now qualifying for the two consecutive Euros and the World Cup. The World Cup is a big deal, not just because it's higher profile, but because it's harder to qualify for as well. You know, there's only a certain amount of um, of European teams that can can make it there was it about 12 or something and uh um so you've really got you know you've got your work cut out to to make it the euro since they've extended it it's much easier to kind of get through if you if you have a decent qualifying campaign and you come in like in the top two in your group then you know you're in basically whereas um for wales to get to the world cup is absolutely massive but i it's made me think actually quite a lot over the last four or five days about how um almost envious I am of watching the Welsh um, supporters and the way in which they support their team. I I, I would love to feel like that about uh, the national football team. And I just, I just can't envisage a scenario in which I ever would. And that makes me sad because I look at like those um, Welsh fans in the ground, particularly where I don't know whether you've, where you wouldn't have noticed, but there's the, the last, um, <laughs> the last couple of big Welsh games, there's an, um, uh, 
quite an old Welsh folk singer who's been spent the majority of his career, I think he's in like his 70s now, um, who has been um, uh, kind of touring like working men's clubs and small venues, particularly in North Wales, where there's a high uptake of Welsh language speaking for like his entire career. And because the Welsh Football Association, FAW, have done a really, really good job in kind of engaging with the fans over the last, uh, again, that same period of time, 10 or 12 years, starting with the sort of Gary Speed era. Um, they have they have kind of tapped upon a level of identity that has allowed them to, to, to feel a passion for football that I think a lot of outsiders thought that in Wales you would never get for anything other than rugby. Because rugby has always been so synonymous with uh, the Welsh identity in terms of how you know they celebrate their sporting success, but I, you know, th- I think it, there's a very, very strong case now that football has has taken over rugby as the as as the national sport just just by the way it's been it's been followed and that level of engagement. So this this fella, his name's David Iwan, uh, which is probably poorly pronounced, but I'm pretty sure that that, that is almost bang on. And so, he, yeah, like I say, he's been he's been kind of touring the working men's clubs in, in, in North Wales and had a, a notable, if kind of unremarkable, um, career as a, a, a sort of you know a, a singer of Welsh folk uh, songs. And he's known as um, somebody who's really, really passionate about the language and the identity of Wales. And it's kind of and this song that he sings anyway. It essentially translates as kind of against all the odds, we're still here. And he started singing it um, before the Welsh, um, I think in the last qualifier against Austria to get to the stage when they play uh, Ukraine. And I honestly, the week the week that that game was on, I found myself just some, as someone who is just generally fascinated and kind of fascinated by football fan culture, but also quite addicted to like that experience, that kind of stadium experience. I was just looking upon it like with absolute awe. It was the closest thing I'd seen um, to the feeling of being uh, on the cop on a on a really like big European night or a, a big Premier League game against uh, one of our one of our um, most intense rivals. And it just like the the passion in people's faces and the guy's face. Where he's, he's singing this song that he'd probably before then only ever. Um, performed to a maximum of maybe a thousand people i'd say most of the time way way below that uh probably you know the low hundreds and all of a sudden he's got like 40 odd thousand people singing along word for word in the welsh language as well again a celtic language that has been that would have been for a long time forbidden to be spoken by um you know the 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 british particularly english in particular um and the the Welsh language kind of recovery over the last sort of three or four decades, again, I think has played a big part in this um, this resurgence in the kind of identity of, you know, with sport. And the FAW have been really, really clever in kind of using this. Uh, and they've also been lucky in that it's coincided with having a generation of some really, really talented players like Gareth Bale, obviously, and Aaron Ramsey. And Joe Allen, um, but but the way that they're then able to then inspire other less talented uh, players who don't, uh, you know, are having completely unremarkable club careers to to find levels of performance that is way beyond anything that they they do on a week in week out is fantastic. And I just look at that and I think, oh man, it almost makes me wish I was Welsh because 
I don't know what it is. I don't know whether you agree, Matt, but this... I think being English can be quite a complicated feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a strange feeling because there's so much about it that is that really just like turns my stomach. And and you're kind of told, aren't you, by the people who see things in a very kind of linear um, uh, fashion that are oh, you either proud of your country or you're not, and you're supposed to then just be like. Uh, just proud, unquestionably proud of everything. You know, you're just, uh, you know, patriotic, like, like they, you know, in America where you're either a patriot or you're not, and it's as simple as that. And I think that when you are, you know, if you're Welsh, you can draw inspiration and passion from all of the struggles that the nation has kind of gone through in order to find its identity, to protect itself from a, ma- a you know, a, a big and much, much more powerful and aggressive uh, neighbour with which you share a land border and it's an opportunity then for you to kind of express yourself in that way whereas I think you know England have never been the underdog have they and England and 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 therefore it's impossible to you can imagine of course and you can you can kind of relate to it in ways that are aside from kind of international sport but you can't you you I just don't th- Personally, I don't feel that you can ever really feel the same. I can't, anyway, feel the same way about uh, you know, English sport in any, in any at any level as I would um, if I were Welsh supporting the you know the Welsh football team. And I don't even think it's got anything to do with England traditionally and generally being better at it as well because it's just. I think a lot of it is the way in which it's the, the the kind of association with the way in which England are supported. You know, the um, like the other night, for example, they played Germany away and got a draw. And there were some arrests beforehand for people. You know, some dickhead let off a firework in a building. Some other dickhead made a Nazi salute. Now, actually, when you when yeah, it's pathetic, isn't it? You know what I mean? Absolutely pathetic and embarrassing. I suppose, however, the other way of looking at that is that if I was in a, you know, a football crowd where, you know, everybody was behaving um, really, really well and, you know, respecting the local area and, you know, um, just having fun and I got home and the only news was that, you know, one or two absolute twats within that group had kind of let everyone down, I'd feel a bit hard done by it if that was kind of dominating the press. So I don't want to kind of be... Um, hypocritical in that respect. It's, by, all, by all accounts, the majority of England fans um, were, were were kind of good as gold, and you know, and supported the team really well. But it's the fact that that is a kind of an element that is always there, and beneath, and, and it's just that association. I mean, it's what we we did lots of episodes last year, didn't we, during the Euros? And it's one what stops. I think it's fair to say either of us really properly kind of going for it because you're just a bit like, oh, there's so many. Wankers, like you know, the, the the reaction on, albeit on social media, which is not a place you go for kind of reasoned, intelligent um, debate, but still, that you know, the social media reaction the minute that any of those poor guys miss penalties and the inevitable, depressingly inevitable racist abuse that they got, you kind of think, oh, this is why I don't give a shit about England because it brings all these types of people out of the woodwork, the, the type of people who I would just avoid in every aspect of my my daily life. But then, again, I turn on the England-Germany game the other night and I see the England, the actual England team. 
And I look at like the way in which uh, so many different ethnicities are represented and how the way the team conduct themselves, the way they're managed, the way that they are um, really, you know, regardless of the way in which they're, the, the, the kind of reaction and reception that they get, they will go to any stadium anywhere in the world and take the knee for their belief in, um, in kind of fairness and equality and, uh, and, and standing up against any, all forms of discrimination. I think, well, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And I'm really, really proud that that is being done in the name of the country in which I'm from. So it's really complicated. And I, I wish it wasn't complicated. I wish it was just simple that you could just be like, yeah, I want England to do well. I really passionately support England and I'm delighted when they do well. But I don't think it will ever, I'll ever achieve that. Even in cricket, like cricket for me, I don't regard with any of the sort of negativity with which I regard um, football. But let's face it, why are England playing cricket? Why why are they playing the countries that they're playing cricket against? It's because it's a complete legacy of uh, colonialism, isn't it? It's you know they're playing cricket, a, a match that was a, a sort of sport that was kind of exported as a kind of a, almost like a weapon of of colonialism to nations that they colonised. So they 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 go around the world now playing cricket as as a kind of legacy of those shameful, uh, you know, dark years of, of of British history. Unless you're Jacob Riggs, Mark, in which case you think it's the you know what, what defines us and what makes us great, Royal Britannia, blah blah blah. But um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a bit shit actually. Sometimes being a, 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 a you know somebody who's into sport when when they're kind of now. But weird, I don't know. Is it then hypocritical when it comes to like the Olympics? I'm absolutely loving it. I, I, you know, I'm all over, you know, the, uh, I don't have a problem with like, I don't, the flag waving doesn't make me feel uncomfortable and I'm totally behind every, I don't know whether it, again, maybe it's because they're kind of individuals who are mostly participating in what are often fringe and unglamorous sports. And it's, I buy into the kind of personal sacrifice and, you know, the fact that you can relate to someone who's often from your local area and, you know, because of where I live, a lot of them will like train in the swimming pool I go to and stuff. And you kind of think, well, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And you can kind of think, okay, a lot of these people as well went to the same sort of school that we went to and that sort of thing. And you kind of, and I don't have any, any problem with that. There's no feeling of, you know, I, I never feel uncomfortable there. Uh, apart from the national anthem, which is just a you know a song that I just will never sing along to and, and detest in every level for every conceivable reason, but but other than that, like you know, I, it's I, it doesn't give me any any of the kind of ne- the complicated mix of feelings that um, that football does, and to a much lesser extent cricket. But I suppose rugby's the same, isn't it? Rugby, you think about who who we mostly play rugby against. It's the kind of nations immediately surrounding us, and then the Antipodean nations that we uh, used to own as colonies, South Africa that we were heavily involved with, um, obviously not France. They probably just took it up and got brilliant at it just to piss us off. Uh, (laughs) And Argentina. I think Argentina, again, is to do with... That is to do with the British over there, isn't it? Because it was they became part of like the... Argentina's got a pronounced upper class and public school system and it was played through the public school uh, network there. And that's kind of what... I think that's why it's taken... Foot, um, uh, take a there, but again, it's very much like you know, it's a it's an upper class sport in uh, in Argentina, isn't it? So yeah, it's. Uh, does, do you feel any? Of the, do you share any of those feelings, Matt? When yes, you're watching English but, sport, 
yeah, no, definitely, definitely more so with English sport. I think, as you as you mentioned, watching uh, the Olympics and such, maybe, yeah, because they're less high profile, less well paid, um, you can sort of throw yourself into it a bit more. Maybe also because they're representative of the entire United Kingdom rather than just English Englishness. Um, maybe yeah. that makes it slightly easier as well. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I was gonna. It's sorry. weird though because then. Britain is problematic as a concept as well, isn't it? Like, you know, I know what you're saying about it. it you kind of lose the kind of difficulty with the England thing when when it becomes like a Team GB vibe. But then, you know, there's there's parts of that that make me feel pretty uneasy. You know, with the, particularly when you consider the the impact that that has had on, um, you know, the the, the island of Ireland. Um, yeah so so even then like it's not like just you know when it becomes a britain thing that i'm getting my union jack out mm. because i would you know i still would never wave that flag for example that's what i'm saying i suppose there are different ways in which you can take pride in your identity your national identity and it's up to you as an individual in terms of which parts of that you identify with and which parts you reject and it's not prescripted so you you know you should never be lectured to by anyone who wants to tell you what being british or being english or whatever um kind of entails because it entails what it means to you like the things that i find you know that i take pride in about where i'm from and where i live are things that some people in this country would would find, you know, the, the, the worst things, yeah, the things they hate the most. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The diversity, the tolerance, the rule of law, all those types of things. They're the things that you know, Daily Mail readers might have a little bit of an issue with. Um, Apart from the rule of law, yeah, yeah, they love that. No, no, they love it until it gets questioned. Like, have you noticed at the moment oh, they're, right. they're, Sorry, they're, yeah. they're at the moment attacking lawyers? For challenging pretty pretty Patel's uh, immigration policy. No, 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 and... not lawyers. Left left wing lawyers. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because any lawyer that would dare stand up for a, a, a refugee who's being uh, flown against his or her will to Rwanda um, is definitely like left wing. Because no one, <laughs> no normal person, could possibly want to stick up for uh, uh, somebody like that. They would have to be a loony lefty, wouldn't they? <laughs> According to the, the mail, which of course is the place to go to for all your uh, reasoned uh, political and, and social debate. Yeah, sorry, Matt, you you were you were in the um, middle of just when uh, following the match. Um, I did. I think when we released the podcast, I don't think either of us were quite aware that England were playing Hungary that day, like last Saturday. Oh yeah. Or did you? I was aware. And, uh, Oh, you were sorry. Yeah. Um, but they, when they took the knee, they still got yeah, the kids. By all the kids, the kids, <laughs> the kids beat. Outrageous. Which was actually the title we gave to our last episode, wasn't it? Was it like a stadium yeah, yeah. full of kids or something? And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that so is maybe... that is so depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they train up their racist young in Hungary. Yeah. Unless so... I've heard it argued that it might be because that. I think they had to have one adult for every 10 kids, didn't they? As like a chaperone. Yeah. So it might yeah. have just been like the collective adults uh, just getting together <laughs> and giving a good boo. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that is that is so depressing, isn't it? Because you can, you can sometimes kind of console yourself that, oh, well, maybe things will be better in the future, you know, in this, you know, in this interconnected world in which values are kind of shared and cross borders and all that. Maybe things are kind of just going to get better uh, sort of organically rather than in a sort of prescripted way and then you hear that and you think no they're not are they <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking not like it's just so grim 
Yeah, yeah. But they've got another match behind closed doors, do they? I think, or is that in, just... Yeah, England are playing Well, Italy England do. Do Hungary... Home. I don't know about Hungary, but Eng- England have got to play Italy uh, behind closed doors. And, uh, uh, of course, as we identified, I think, in the last um, episode, they've not managed to, um, you know, find use the kid loophole. I mean, why they couldn't <laughs> have just worked that out after the Hungary game and then introduced that quickly and just given some, you know... I'd say a thousand free tickets to a load of schools in, uh, particularly in kind of northwest London. I don't know. Is that that would have gone down a storm. Um, yeah. They could have given tickets to a load of kids who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to watch England, you know, for v- variety of reasons. But um, evidently, they've not done that, which is uh, which is, <laughs> which is a sh- yeah. So yeah, I think they've got to play uh, the next three matches. UEFA organised matches behind closed doors. Yeah, so the England one was the first one of them, was it? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's... So, yeah, maybe they'll... I don't know what they'll do. Keep... I don't think they've commented yet on... Um, on... <laughs> on the kids booing. The kids booing. I mean, where do you go from there? <laughs> They're literally just going to have to shut everyone out. So, you know, anyone anyone uh, you know, uh, above toddler age... I mean, is a toddler <laughs> capable of racially related booing, do you think? Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Uh, on the subject of authorities being on the back foot, by the way, it is worth noting that today, literally, and we're recording this on Thursday, the, uh, what is it, the 9th of June, um, mm-hmm. literally a couple of hours ago, the French police have now officially apologised for using tear gas on Liverpool fans in Paris. And again, it just, just, you know, we've spoken about this enough, so I won't sort of labour the point, but it does, again, go back to what we were talking about last week, how the... The, the 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 very quick crumbling away of all of the justification and excuses and the lies that were, they initially tried to kind of hide behind and use to justify their appalling actions. It's just completely crumbled away so quickly like a deck of cards, um, which is satisfying, but it's also, you know, incredibly frustrating because this time two weeks ago, I was, you know, kind of excitedly packing, packing my bag and preparing to go for to Paris for what should have been, uh, you know, two or three really, really enjoyable days. And there were still elements of it that were really enjoyable, particularly the kind of day before the game. <laughs> and, the, the, you know, the, we went out for a brilliant meal and I had... Uh, it was commented, actually, by one listener that uh, I sounded a little bit worse for wear in, in, in one part of the uh, the Paris episode where I think I got back to my room and was sort of you know, yeah. sharing my thoughts. I was, wor- I was worried at one point you were going to be start sort of you're like the French people <laughs> they're so well dressed yeah. and I look like a, you know I'm nothing I'm yeah. nothing yeah. I'm just I'm a, you know I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know I, were you I was worried, worried about my self esteem I was yeah. but fortunately you didn't dwell on it too much no, no you know it's just thinking, gloss over that thinking, low self esteem yeah. Yeah. yeah just thinking yeah, yeah uh, but at least by by kind of recording as I went in that episode it gave us it gave the opportunity to kind of reflect very positively on the uh, French experience and the, the Parisian uh, people at large before obviously all the negativity of the next day when when it was all mostly focused on kind of getting <laughs> getting gassed and being uh, led down in dangerous tunnels by incompetent um, and uh, some some I say negligent um, authorities but yeah yeah but um, and, and one kind of uh, last thing I wanted to say actually I meant to mention this at the beginning of the episode I've noticed that 
Uh, we've had a few more listeners in uh, uh, um, some of our recent episodes, which is fantastic. Oh, right. And then we <laughs> seem to have some somebody listened. Uh, somebody has been listening quite regularly in Frankfurt. So, um, uh, guten Tag. Uh, you are very welcome <laughs> and willkommen. Um, and thank you. And please tell your friends. Uh, Freund, Freunden. Is that Freund? Freund. Oh, uh, what for friend? Friend. That is right. Freund. Freund. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 sehr gut. Um, ich habe Kopfschmerzen. Um, and somebody in Helsinki as well has started listening. Uh, again, brilliant. And we have a, we've always had a very loyal following in, um, the West, on the West Coast of the United States, mostly focused on, uh, the great Sean in Los Angeles. Um, but some people in other starts, other parts of the country have started, uh, listening as well last week um somebody in plattsburgh new york and sequim i think that's how you pronounce it washington uh fantastic so um please carry on tell uh, tell people I do worry i do worry that the americans think we're talking about american football i mean and why the hell because, would they well there's actually another podcast called football unfocused that well, does talk about america that's that, that's 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 their problem right that is the other football unfocused uh, yeah. the gridiron one you know uh, that's their point because watch out you know there's a big boy in town now and this is it you know we are we are not just the two cowboys that we may sound like you know we there's, an, there's a whole production yeah some thoughts sort of. gone into this I mean not a huge amount but whereas I bet you on the other football unfocused they're not learning about uh, anal, anal hygiene techniques or uh, you know what your favourite stone fruit is <laughs> I'm not the last time I listened, no. No, well, exactly. Oh, you that. have listened. I mean, imagine <laughs> yeah. fucking... But, but, but anyway, those people, indeed, everyone, uh, please do continue to spread the word of this fantastic podcast. And uh, also, uh, tell your friends, uh, which is the same thing as spreading the word. Uh, <laughs> what I meant to say was, follow us on Twitter. We don't, we don't really say anything that interesting, but follow us anyway, because uh, we do sometimes sort of comment on stuff. I'll sometimes be at a football match and feel like I need to make some sort of petty point and tweet about it or I'll be sitting there having a having a, a nice glass of rum on a Friday night and I think oh yeah I'm going to tell everyone that we've got an episode out tomorrow <laughs> uh, or even I think last week I actually promoted the actual episode itself so um, yeah we're, we're at F unfocused so it kind of looks like an FU focused um, but you're you know you should be able to find us easy enough and do follow us on Twitter uh, so we can, um, you know, communicate with you uh, in 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 various different forms. But um, but that's it. Uh, a bit of housekeeping to end. Uh, <laughs> that's it. You know, nothing, nothing more interesting than that. Uh, well, there's some there is some stuff on the kind of club football front going on. Transfer. I don't. I am somebody who generally switches off a little bit in terms of interest over the summer. Like I'm not. I don't obsess about like the transfer window because I just need sometimes a little bit of a break from it but I suppose there is some stuff going on that is worthy of comment uh, I try I'm really trying not to make not to talk too much about Liverpool but I suppose there is some interesting transfer stuff going on in Liverpool at the moment which we can maybe maybe discuss a little bit next week but try and kind of broaden it out and talk about I'm also very interested to talk about um, Chelsea and what they the way in which they're going to be run under their new ownership and what impact that's going to have on the club because I think that's going to be that's going to be one of the big most kind of uh, interesting stories really over the next 12 months. So yeah. That's what you got to look forward to. Um, um, so on that uh, dramatic future content bombshell it is time to say goodbye for another week. Uh, take care of yourselves and see you next week on Football Unfocused. <laughs> <laughs>